As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Good morning and welcome to the NBA Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show, where you can find the Daily Ding every weekday morning. I'm Jared Weiss. I am joined by Mo DeKeel. We got Brian Smith on the boards. And Mo, let's jump right into it. The Clippers beat the Miami Heat 112-109. to Miami dominated the first half. Clippers were phenomenal in the second half. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, Miami puts up 40 points in the first quarter. And then after that, 18 in the second 20 in the third, like the Clippers just started to come back. And Jared, that ending of the game was insane. You had a, you had, you literally had a duel going between Paul George and Kyle Lowry. Lowry had 22 points in the fourth quarter. Like this thing was not, this game got drunk, Jared. Lowry had that one little run there where he just kept scoring over and over in the middle of the fourth quarter. PG had that play where he got the offensive rebound and then just immediately jumped into a turnaround three. I'm like, no, what are you doing? Of course, he buried it. And that was a real difference maker. But PG is just has a good habit of stepping up when he needs to. He's been great this season, and I'm not even going to dive in too much into it because I'm going to selfishly plug Nerder She Wrote, which is also out today, and you should go check that out because we definitely talked some Paul George there about what he's doing. But overall, like this was just an impressive performance from the Clippers who've won six straight now. You know, they started out a little bit slow, basically one at four, and then rip off six wins. The Heat on a second night of a back-to-back, I want to give them credit. They easily, Jared, could have just sort of let go of the rope, but it was Kyle Lowry in that fourth quarter. I'm not going to forget that fourth quarter for a long while. I mean, Jimmy Butler was out, so that was really big for him to step up. And Hero had a pretty good game. He was really gunning out there. How did you feel about Bam Adebayo? It's interesting. Bam had a monster first half, 24 points, only six in the second half. Like, it was almost kind of a disappearing act. Like, in the first half, the Clippers had no answer for him, weren't able to stop him. Then once the adjustments kind of came along, it looked like Bam started to get a little less aggressive. You kind of... Didn't feel him out there at some points during the second half. And then hits a couple of buckets and things like that. You start to go, okay, there there he is. But for the most part, disappeared in the second half on the heat. Like, I, I thought this should have been an easy, like, 38-point game with the way he played in the first half. 
speaking of guys not really showing up, Duncan Robinson, he went two for 13, two for 11 from deep. Had a It was a tricky shot, but it was kind of like a, like a floating three-pointer, but he did have an opportunity to try to tie it up there at the very end, and that just rimmed out. Credit to Nick Batum, who made some massive deflections at the end of this game, ripping that rebound, the deflection on the final play. Are you concerned about Robinson, whose shooting has just been awful this season? I am and I'm not. He's off to a slow start. We've seen so many guys, so many scorers in general, just off to a slow start. Now, he's not a scorer. He's a shooter. It's a bit of a difference. But, you know, I'm not concerned yet. We're still early in it. It's only 11 games into the season. We've seen shooters literally struggle like this and then finish the season at damn near 40%. So I know Heat fans are panicking. I know they're worried because he got paid and they're thinking, oh, crap, we paid him all this money and now he's not making shots. Just relax, take a deep breath, a little woosa type deal, and then just trust that he's going to come back. Like, I, I, I'm i not too worried about him. These are pretty good looks. I mean, the three he missed, that's tough with Batum chasing behind you. One last guy to talk about, Eric Bledsoe. 21 points in 40 minutes, three blocks, uh, led, the, led the game in blocks. That was a surpriser. It was his first good game since that first game against the Warriors. It's been a lot of crap this year, but uh, he was phenomenal in this one. That's the Eric Bledsoe experience. It's going to be very up and down with things like that. And it's also a little bit an adjustment for him, him playing with Reggie Jackson in the starting lineup, trying to figure out really kind of who's the, he, the the ball dominant guy. He's, Paul George is the main guy who's going to have the ball. It's going to be Reggie Jackson as your second option. And then it goes to Eric Bledsoe. And and even then, it's kind of like, eh, some nights it might go to Batum. You know, it might be a Zubach night and things like that. So he's still kind of adjusting to his role there. But it was a good sign of life for the Clippers to go like, oh, he's back. Great. Now you just need him to be able to consistently do that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Out in Utah, there was an upset. The Indiana Pacers beat the Utah Jazz 111-100. to uh, The Pacers led the entire second half, were pretty comfortably in control of this one. And then things blew up at the end when Rudy Gobert uh, took down Miles Turner, and Miles Turner got up, immediately checked him, and they, instead of fighting, it looked like they were kind of aggressively slow dancing. It wasn't hold me back, it was just hold me. And uh, everybody came over. Turner and Gobert were ejected for the altercation. Joe Ingles was ejected, I believe, for contact with the ref. And then Donovan Mitchell was ejected for instigation and escalation. So that was just an entire big cluster F. But did you think that that was merited? It seemed like they were kind of a little, little over the top with it. Before we get in there, I want to request request something from producer Brian Smith. You need to, while Jared is talking about the holding there, you need to play the Mel Carter song where he goes, hold me, hold me, because that's what it was. 
chair, they literally just got into a big bear hug. They were it just wasn't even a, It wasn't even a, a, a full-on fight. It was just like, I'm going to hug the hell out of you type of situation. I don't think the penalties were excessive. Obviously, those two guys were getting ejected. There was no questions about it. Ingles makes contact with the referee, although it wasn't deemed intentional. That's always an automatic ejection in that area. Mitchell, I don't even know what ticked him off, Jared. Like, he was going after the bench all of a sudden when it looked like this whole thing was over. So He you kept know, going, too. I was a little surprised he got ejected, but I'm not, like, clutching my pearls and panicked about it. Like, I, I was like, okay, that kind of made sense. But I don't think this will lead to suspensions for anybody or anything like that. I think it was a minor dust-up, and, and everybody will move on by tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, if Jokic only got one game for uh, putting a haymaker in the middle of Markeith Morris' spine, I'm pretty sure these guys are not going to get a suspension for just enjoying and embracing each other. But Gobert and Turner, I thought, had a great battle. This was one of uh, this was another really good game for Turner. He only had 13 points and nine boards, but his three point shooting was really huge in the second half. Had some phenomenal stops at the rim, and this is against a team with like two seven footers who are playing really well against the rim. But it seemed like Turner really went toe for toe, uh, yeah, toe to toe with Rudy Gobert, and was pretty even in the matchup. Yeah, I mean, this is where the frustration kind of mounted with everything that was going on between Turner and Gobert. Like, you can kind of feel it coming all night. Like, they were jawing at each other. They really were going back and forth in the way they were playing. Turner with three huge threes in the third quarter that really kind of helped to kind of keep the Jazz at bay in those situations. A couple of them were just wide-open looks, Jared. I was like, this is – I was kind of like, you know, at some point you might want to guard this guy. Pretty good basketball player, especially from deep. It was basically like just a battle between those two guys down in the trenches. This was an old school two post guys fighting with each other, like uh, two giraffes fighting and hitting each other with their necks. I'm going with some very (laughs) random, random (laughs) analogies today, but that's what that one, that's what that reminded me of. I've always gotten draft vibes from Rudy Gobert, so I totally see that. Got to go seven-footers and things like that. We don't know what brontosauruses looked like when they fought, but we know what giraffes look like when they fought, so that's why I went with them. And the irony of the of this being a post-battle is that Domas Sabonis, who's one of the better post-scorers in the league, was just completely out of his game. He went two for ten from the field. He had six fouls, was in foul trouble most of the time, and just kind of looked like a shell of himself while Turner was the one doing most of the banging. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a a weird night. This is the thing, and this is what makes this a big win for Indiana. They lose to Denver on the first night of a back-to-back, and this is a tough second leg in the back-to-back whenever you leave Denver. You're always kind of getting into the next stop super late just because the way the layout is in Denver to get to the airport. But for the Pacers to kind of just come in here and know they dropped a game that they probably should have won against Denver without Jokic, They came in there with the purpose of like, yo, we're ready to fight. And the Jazz, in the beginning of this game, this looked like a, hey, we're just going through the motions type game. Like, they weren't fully into it. Their attention wasn't fully locked in. Their defense wasn't fully prepared. I mean, besides Donovan Mitchell going off, like, I didn't feel like anybody else from the Jazz truly came to play, except for Gobert during that third quarter also who had a big run. 
Yeah, I mean, Mitchell tore it up in the first five minutes of the game, and they built out a little bit of a lead, and then they just really never really hit back from there. But yeah, Gobert, when he came back in the late third quarter, he scored like five times in a row. Like That was that was that one moment where he was really in control, and him and Turner were really battling. But then Indiana hit back, and credit to TJ McConnell, who went 10 for 14 from the field with uh, 21 points, eight boards, five dimes. He was just kind of getting to every single little TJ McConnell type of shot he could. And Malcolm Brogdon, even though he only shot 10 for 23, he had 30 points and nine boards and was eight for nine from the free throw line was really aggressive. Last game of the evening, Toronto beat Philadelphia 115 to 109. We had a phenomenal battle here of the point guards between Fred Van Vliet and wouldn't have expected this Tyrese Maxey at the point for Philadelphia. Phenomenal game for him. Yeah, I mean, this was just literally a back and forth, and it felt like whoever couldn't make a shot towards the end was going to lose because it was really tight towards the stretches. Game of runs throughout all of this. The Sixers go on a a run in the second quarter to kind of take control a little bit, give Toronto a ton of credit, battle back in the third quarter, 29-21 to in the third quarter, begin to take a lead and start to make that run. Sixers down the stretch with their own run there. And, you know, it's Maxi making plays and him making, you know, little runners here and there, getting into the lane, knocking down threes. You had guys like Tobias Harris stepping up and making shots. Man, we had a fun night of basketball, Jared, when I just kind of look at it, you know, overall, like this was a hell of a night. Yeah, and I mean, Maxi, I think, was the one that was just the most fascinating because this is this is another 30-point game in a row for him. He just had 30 uh, in the last game against Milwaukee, I believe. And so he just looks really comfortable that once he gets a couple dribbles into the lane, he knows how he's going to try to finish. And that's kind of that huge development you're looking for at somebody at this point of their career. But, you know, he was someone that was really hyped up entering the year as someone who could be an impact scorer for Philadelphia, and he's making it happen. Yeah, I mean, he's looking a lot more comfortable. He's, you know, the Sixers were very high on him coming into this season, thinking that he had a chance to kind of have a breakout year with the way he played in the playoffs and things like that. This is just a continuation of it. And with so many guys out over the last couple of weeks, his role has grown where it's it's not just it's nice to see, it's absolutely needed. And that's something that they've had to have throughout everything they're going through. And, you know, tonight was the first night they got Tobias Harris back from COVID and he was kind of okay. Seth Curry back from foot soreness, I think, was the injury. He kind of struggled in his return a little. But, like, this was a battle there. And you got to give Toronto a ton of credit because they just, Toronto just stays in games, Jared. Like, they just hang around. You can't put them away. And just down the stretch, it's like, all right, last three minutes, we're going to make a run. Credit to Nick Nurse. He really knows who to call on. He just he has such a great ability to just pick that right guy. And this time, it was Chris Boucher, who was a good player for the last year, has had a pretty solid career so far. And then this season with Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes playing really well, Boucher just hasn't really played so far this year. He only had one game above 10 points so far this year. 17 points on 7 for 12 shooting with six boards and a couple blocks in this game. Yeah, he was great. It's Again, this is just along those lines of keeping everybody going. But Jared, I would be remiss here if I didn't say this, because this does bother me. Doc's got to do better with this end-of-game management situation. They called their last time out. They're down four. This is after Fred Van Vliet just hits a massive three. And you use your last time out, 23 seconds left, no problem. 
you got to go for a three in that instance. You can't try to go for a quick two, which is what the Sixers did. Tobias Harris misses the layup, and then that kind of just puts the game out of reach at that point. But you got to go find a three just in that instance, and got to have better end-of-game management from Doc coming out of the timeout, knowing the situation. I'm going to try to get the end of show management right and cut it right there. So for our producer, Brian Smith, that's Mo Keel. I am Jared Weiss. Be sure to subscribe to The Athletic NBA Show and subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash ding. You can find Nerder She Wrote over on The on the Athletic NBA Show, where which is where Mo Keel yells at Seth Partnow and Dave Dufour. It's really fun to listen to. I don't yell. I'm a lovely person, Jared. Why would you do that? I don't think yelling and being a lovely person are mutually exclusive. You seem to make it work. But that's going to do it. So uh, take us out of here. Yell the my favorite two words. Ding, ding. It's actually only one word, technically. Is it? I thought it'd be two words. I mean, it's two words, but it's one word. Hold me. Hold me. Because that's what it was. <laughs>